HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio, radio for and about young farming, farmers, the future of farming as perpetuated by people who choose to farm. And today I have the pleasure of Grant Schultz from Iowa. Grant, how's it going out there? Tell us about the heat. We've been reading about it in the newspaper and listening about it on NPR, which is very unusual. It's, it's pretty brutal, Severin. It's pretty brutal these days. 92 degrees here, sunny and balmy. Sunny and balmy. Um, it's, it's been pretty droughty, but we're at least having some rain around the corner here, so coming out of it. You're feeling groovy. Yeah, yeah. So Grant was one of the core organizers of Farm Hack Iowa, so part of our discussion today will revolve around uh, that project and his work in farm hackery. And... Then maybe we should also talk a little bit about your participation with Practical Farmers of Iowa and some of the networks of support and coordinated happy-making educational nets of for young farmers in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. And then we talk about your farm operation and where you're headed. Does that sound like an okay agenda? Sounds like a plan. So should we start with FarmHack? Let's do it. So, give us a report from from where you from where you are. Okay, so uh, the inaugural Farm Hack Iowa was pretty awesome. Um, Two day event. We had people from all walks of life, all ages, probably from age seventeen to about seventy. Pretty happy with that. Um, Kristen Loria. Food Corps member and uh, fellow Greenhorns helped me organize it. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah, so we uh, should we go over the you know the farm hack events and kind of how the, the format works for people, or are they already familiar? You think? Um, 
Well, I would just say maybe some of the things you focused on and maybe a little bit about the, like, what PharmHack is about and how, how it's relevant cool. even beyond We, we the focused on that, building cool stuff right. and with the intent in the, to uh, open source it so that anyone and everyone can build something very cool, very inexpensively, without reinventing the wheel. Um, you can kind of check out some of that stuff at farmhack.net in the tools forum. Um, but some of the things we worked on, uh, thinking back, one was a quadricycle kind of weeding apparatus where, you know, you're, you're walking around eating strawberries and you just kind of want to weed efficiently. So a prone position, meaning like you're laying down, and then you can kind of bike along and weed as you see, you know, and just keep going and going and going. And we designed that. It's pretty cool. Hasn't been built yet, but uh, prototypes, I'm sure, are in the works. So that's pretty cool. Um, we decided that no idea was too crazy, so we had some people that wanted to kind of do some research and, and planning for underwater aquaculture, like a cavernous, we'll say underground aquaculture. Um, and it was pretty wild, the stuff they came up with, so it was pretty cool to see that. Um, another cool thing was an automated um, chicken coop door. And it's obviously you can buy a kit that does it, or you know you can build something off off the shelf parts. But um, a farm hacky idea they came up with was reusing an automotive door with a, a power window, which you can get in a junkyard for you know twenty bucks. It already has a servo in it to to raise and lower the window, so that's kind of like a built-in you know automated tube door. So that was pretty cool. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Produce, reuse, recycle. So then, so again, the the, the purpose of FarmHack is to create a framework for collaboration and open source online platform, and then in person human community events that are driven by farmers in the region uh, as a way to connect with engineers and makers and hackers and electrical engineers uh, to work on tools, uh, tool designs that those tools then become documented on the website and are then kind of commented on uh, by people who aren't limited to that geographic region, and that those tools are low-cost, make-it-yourself, hacks, tweaks, and inventions for sustainable farming. And with the understanding that beginning and startup farmers are not necessarily uh, the most cash-rich but are... In their, in their desperation or in their pressing needs, often very innovation-rich, and that by sharing uh, and kind of creating a new commons in our kind of innovative design sharing, we can, we can move forward with what we have. And we have a bunch of farm hacks coming up, actually, this fall, a lot. When maybe are they, Grant, maybe, You tell. Well, I'll tell you... Um, the next one is in Ethica, and it's October 20th and 21st at Groundswell Farm, which is a farm incubator project run by young folks in Ithaca, New York. And then the next one after that is in Brooklyn, uh, and it's FarmHack NYC. That's October, sorry, that's November 10th and 11th. And our partners are really fun, uh, especially on that one. We're working with the salvage community uh, in New York City, the Build It Green New York, who reclaim construction waste 
and all different kinds of waste uh, from the waste stream and attempt to help contractors who are building to use reclaimed parts. Cool. And so they said, in, well, in that, in that we'd same love... vein, yeah. I, I want to toss out the other farm hack ideas as far as, you know, a- anyone and everyone who's listening who has an idea for a farm implement or a, a little cool thing they want to build should go to the farm hack forum and kind of stick it in there and, and kind of start, uh, start developing it, you know, with many minds instead of just one or two. Um, I love the idea of reusing construction materials, and a friend of mine just started building a mushroom building out of uh, reused billboard tarps. You can buy a 14 by 48 billboard tarp for like 30 bucks, and they're like pretty awesome fabric buildings. So, well, a lot of a lot of those tarps are getting used also for sheltering cows and for mobile chicken coops because they're so lightweight. But they're tough. They're, like, weather tough. Yeah. So, yeah, the FarmHack events are basically a way for relationships to happen around projects. But the FarmHack website forums are the place where the discussion and the designs are documented. So one of the latest ideas we had is if people go to the, you know, do their due diligence of um, proactively open sourcing their project, that they would then get the, you know, benefit of, adding materials that they need to the wish list. So, you know, making a little bit more incentive. So, Grant, we're having also a FarmHack meeting um, for the FarmHack Detroit. That's uh, for Detroit, Ann Arbor, and Lansing. Are the, it's going to be a little moving one. And I don't know if that's too far for you from Iowa, but I, I get noticed on. you like to get on the road a lot. Yeah, I'm kind of a road warrior. Um, okay, so explain a little bit about your life because you're very you're a pretty unique human. Yeah, I'm a pretty unique you human being. That's a chump dog. Yeah, you know, I've, I've done some done some things in my day, and I'm, I'm doing some more things. Um, yeah, I was, I was involved in startups for a couple of years, quite a few years. Um, kind of had an accident or two here and there. Spent the last last winter. I kind of split my time between New Zealand, woofing around, learning how they do agriculture in the Southern Hemisphere, which is a very, very unique experience down there. Um, but then the second half of the winter, I was in, I was in Vail, Colorado, uh, kind of crashing with a bunch of friends at a ski house, and we got to all kinds of meeting of the mines there, from Zynga employees getting away from the hustle bustle to uh, just uh, electrical engineers and stuff. So it's really cool to have a diverse experience in life. But ultimately, I think I want to be farming, you know? So you're involved in kind of startup culture, and you're pretty techy, and you like to travel and see lots of things. Uh, but you are... Re- why? Why? What? What is it about farming that satisfies everything that you were looking for in other fields? And that is the question of the day. That is the question of the day. Oh. I don't know, something about, you know, obviously people like to create, um, but when you can create something and you can eat it, it's just a little bit better. Um, I don't know, there's something to that, you know, from beginning to end. That's, that's, the, that's the thing, that's why we're all here, you know, we're kind of chasing the same thing, pursuit of happiness. Pursuit of happiness. Weren't you at one point farming with your brother, or are you still farming with your brother? 
Yeah, so so drought in drought in the, in Iowa has been crazy. Like you know, I can be positive all I want, but it's been nuts. And irrigation wasn't so great on our farm. So um, I do a bunch of garlic, and when I got garlic out uh, end of June, I think we finished like Fourth of July or so. Um, just had stuff cover crop in the buckwheat, and just said, "Go nuts, nature!" You know, we're not going to fight you anymore this season. So the rest of the farm's kind of just gone fallow in the in the drought here, which has been severe um but ultimately uh you know farming with my brother was it was a partnership you know when you when you do a partnership you're kind of hiring someone and, and that person's hiring you and sometimes it can get real tough you know uh so i think that to say the least we're not going to be farming together in the future um if you need to be able to depend on someone else and, and that person doesn't want to show up you can't exactly uh keep giving them half of your paycheck so, so it's not uncommon that there's tension and drama around families and farming. Oh, and just, yeah, no, that's that's very common. Just to tag a resource, the um, the USDA allocates funding uh, to this issue of drama around farming and to well, that's not what they would call it. They would call it mediation and conflict resolution. So, obviously. Uh, in some places, the farm crisis has been really extreme in the United Kingdom during the foot and mouth uh, foot and mouth outbreak. There was, on average, one suicide a week. Uh, in India, it's now one every half hour, one farmer's suicide every half hour in India. There's um, a new documentary called Bitter Seeds that's about this phenomena. And, but similarly, here in the United States, we've had a lot of stress, especially during the farm crisis of the 1980s on farm families, you know, dealing with, you know, lack of profitability and succession issues and, uh, you know, just really long work hours with not much reward or even losses over the course of long periods of time. So if you're in a situation of tension, look to the, your state mediation service. You can just Google it. You know, farming, mediation, your state, uh, and and that may be something that is available for free, just for your information grant, but also for others who are uh, feeling the heat. Sure, sure. No, I, I'm, uh, I structured any business entity smartly, and I'm, I'm fine in that in that department. And I have got my farm on pretty hardcore lately too, as far as buying something on my own. Um, we were leasing kind of land from family and. You know, that, that in and of itself is its own complicated matter. But, you know, I'm in a position where I can buy a farm. And, you know, as far as very recent news, I spent about a month kind of going back and forth with another older farmer, 81 years old, who wanted to sell a piece of ground. And we thought we were, we thought we came to terms. And yesterday, as of yesterday, that's not happening. So you can't get too emotionally involved in any, any business decisions. So. It's tough to walk away, but I did, so I'm free as a bird now. So if you have any land opportunities out there, you know, Iowa, Midwest, Oregon, New Hampshire, you know, let me know. Oregon, New Hampshire. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> just really saying, you know, hey, down. Yeah, no, everywhere, everywhere is a possibility. I'm kind of back in my uh, wanderlust mode right now, so we'll see what happens. 
Well, so what was that negotiation like with that older farmer? I mean, maybe you could share some uh, useful useful commentary for those who are con- contemplating that kind of a conversation. Sure. Um, so, again, uh, you know, previous startup background, I, I, I had a real estate brokerage, actually, as well, so I, I, I know that business in and out. I've got eight years of experience in brokerage, so I know what I'm doing. It still makes the farm process difficult as far as buying land and finding land. Um, this guy was, he's smart. He's very smart, sharp as a tack at 81, right? Um, but he also knows how to play off the fact that uh, people kind of assume a lot of older people to be senile, which means he's kind of smart like a fox. So that means uh, what, what happened with us is, you know, we came to a, a handshake deal, a handshake agreement, uh, and then two days later he, he decided he wanted more money. And again, until nothing is in, in writing, you know, nothing is done until it's in writing. And we didn't have it in writing the first time around. And I wasn't going to play that game. Homie, don't play that. So, uh, you know, remember that. Remember that, people. Get it in writing. But so how did you meet this guy? And, like, how did you approach him? And what was the infrastructure you were getting? Just straight land? Like land with water? Sure, land with farms? Sure. So, uh Advice for all young farmers out there, uh, reverse prospecting on Craigslist. You know, you can troll Craigslist all day long looking for land or looking for listings that are real estate brokers, but the easiest and fastest way is the wildfire world of, of word of mouth. So I put wanted ads up on Craigslist saying, hey, here's what I'm looking for. Call me if you have something. And I got calls out of the wazoo. Um, a, a younger friend of this guy called me up and said, hey, I know this older guy who doesn't know what a computer is, but... Um, he has some land for sale. Uh, we got going there. Um, the parcel in question was 17 acres, um, a completely bombed out house, and like a good three car garage. So it was what I was looking at. I obviously building a house. No big deal. Fair amount of work to do there, but you know, decent parcel size for for me. Um, you know, I was on eight acres um, right right now, so 17 would be a step up. I don't need 200 acres to do my thing. And there's no point, you know, over, you know, overextending yourself. Don't borrow too much. Don't buy a bigger farm than you need for, for what you're doing. So. But anyway, it's still on the hunt. Wait a minute. I don't understand this reverse engineering. You were, you you posted wanted, reverse I'm looking for land. Reverse prospecting, we would call it in the real estate world, meaning um, I put a wanted ad on Craigslist saying, like, if you put it in the for sale section, um, rather than the wanted section, because, again, you look at how many eyeballs are out there, like the way Craigslist kind of drills down by category, the vast majority of eyeballs are going to be looking at other stuff for sale. They're not going to be saying, oh, who's looking to buy a piece of real estate? So I would put wanted in all caps in the real estate for sale section and then say, you know, describe what I'm looking for. And Craigslist lets you do that? Yeah. Wow, that's so great. And I've, I've done so, that for farm equipment, too. Like, I, I was looking for some Alice Chalmers G's last year, and I'm in Iowa where it's land of corn, soybeans, you know, big, several hundred-acre farms at a minimum. And these little Alice G's are very rare here, pretty uncommon. So I was putting ads up on uh, southern Wisconsin where they used to grow tobacco a lot, and uh, they're, they're more common up there. So I just put wanted ads up there, you know, in the farm equipment for sale section, and I got calls up the butt. <laughs> but no, I, I bought three G's in two months 
and I couldn't find one in six months down in Iowa. So. Wow, that's pretty good. So another another resource to tag is something called Search Tempest, which is like a meta trawling Craigslist thing. It's like a uh, web app where you can put in your search terms and it will look all over the country or in specific regions that you decide on for whatever you're looking for. And it will do it automatically like every week or every other day or whatever. Search so Tempest it saves or Search time. Called Search Tempest. Okay. Uh, I used to use Crazed List um, that would do the same thing, but it, it violated the Craigslist terms of service and eventually got shut down. So if Search Tempest keeps working, that's totally awesome. Well, we blogged about it, so hopefully hopefully, cool. young farmers will be able to use it until it's... you got to stay one step ahead of the cease and desist letters from Craigslist. Eggers. Cool. Um, okay, so let's talk about the network of support that lives in Iowa uh, and yep. and what people should expect to find in the in in the PFI realm PFI realm PFI Practical Farmers of Iowa is a pretty cool organization that started out um, with more conventional farmers that were saying hey wait a minute it might not make economic sense to spray as much as we do, let's maybe spray a little bit less just because we're going to make more money at it. And, I mean, it's, it's smart farming, ergo the practical, but it's grown to a really wonderful, diverse organization of people from all all kind of aspects of farming, from, from grazers to row crop to horticultural producers. And it's, it's been a really great organization. Um, the fastest growing segment of PFI is is fruit and vegetable producers and young farmers, which is great to know that you have some resources and some peer network that's kind of being established that way. Um, I think there's kind of a comparable organization. And, again, it's called Practical Farmers of Iowa, but it's not limited to Iowa. I mean, there's members across the country. Um, the majority of the events are in Iowa, but but all of the – there's a thing called Farminars, which are, are webinars relating to farming practicalfarmers.org slash farminar, I believe. And those are available, recorded, where anyone can watch them for free anywhere in the country. But yeah, You were on one of those, weren't you? I was on one of those, yeah. You could probably you can hear me talk about scaling up a vegetable operation um, with Chris Blanchard. He's a, they usually do it with like a kind of a mentor-mentee or an experienced farmer versus a, a beginning farmer for most of the farmers. So there's kind of the two perspectives, and then there's kind of a Q&A session between the two. So, yeah, I mean, if, no matter what you're interested in, if you want to start a goat dairy, you go on there and look for goat dairies, and you're going to you know, learn some cool stuff. It's so good having the old-timers perspective and the new-timers perspective. We've been having... You know, there's been a bunch of new movements in the valley, and some, you know, new players, and and oftentimes when there's like when when you when people want to assemble a panel of experts, they'll just go around and get all the kind of 50, 55 to 65 year old, you know, executive directors or, um, you know, the farmers who've been in the valley for a really long time or whatever, and. Uh, but bringing in the new farmer's perspective and having an intergenerational mix uh, means that you're exposed to a whole different 
set of issues than, you know, people whose farms are set up and, and you know, they're thrumming along on their, on their own rhythm and that sometimes the new farmers are experiencing the challenges of the valley or whatever, kind of much closer to the edge. Yeah, yeah. I think it's always good to have a, a wide array of perspectives. You should never shoebox yourself into where you can learn. And so that he, being said, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, I would say don't don't limit yourself to uh, even even peer groups. Where I have a lot of they, they call them English. The Amish and the Mennonites call call uh, non Amish English, even if you're of German descent or what have you. But I have some friends that that are kind of being mentored by some Amish farmers because the, their techniques and their kind of outlook towards sustainable or, or, or vegetable operations is way more applicable than you know, any of the other farmers in the area. So don't limit yourself by anything. And the Amish are, are agreeing to mentor? Yeah, which, yeah. It, I'm not going to say all of them are, but some, some of them are for sure, um, which is kind of cool. So I know that there is a strong um, Mennonite community in Iowa. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the Amish community. But what often happens is, you know, I'm going around talking about young farmers a lot, so I, I get some pushback occasionally, and people will say, oh, well, that's very fine for New England. Um, you know, oh, that's very fine for Northern California. But somewhere like Iowa... You know, there's not going to be opportunity for young farmers, or there's not going to be much marketplace for organic vegetables, or there's not the population density to support the kind of uh, farms, you know, diverse old farms. farmer pessimism. Um, yeah, old farmer I mean, pessimism. That, that, that's and kind of ingrained with with kind of farming culture. There's always this underlying tone of pessimism, and you know, it, you can't rise up. You all, you can't do that. And then, you know, there's stories of success all over the place of why that's not true. Um, in Iowa, the, there's a Mennonite community kind of south of me here, and one of the growers grows 100 acres, kid you not, 100 acres of certified organic zucchini, which supplies the vast majority of Whole Foods needs for, for the Midwest. And, I mean, that's, that's a, you know, a Mennonite farmer doing that, and don't tell me that there's not opportunity for vegetable producers in, in Iowa. Yikers. Well, there was something called the Iowa Farm Jobs Study that was done. It was done, I think it was done by the Leopold Center that was mm-hmm. talking about how many hundreds of thousands of jobs would be created in the Midwest if the supermarkets of the Midwest were being supplied by. And it wasn't even just Iowa. It was like within a six-state region. Yeah, I know. For sure, that, that's, that's so absolutely completely true. And it's just a matter of breaking the, the mold of what you know, what's possible. I mean, yeah, people just kind of grew up. I mean, again, I, my undergrad was, was agriculture, right? And I was at Iowa State University in this very much, you know, this row crop mentality, and it was a land-grant university, so all the research and all the education was being paid for by, you know, big ag. And, you know, I, I came, you know, in high school even, I had a very entrepreneurial mindset. And when you see all of the curriculum is being directed towards you know, if you work your butt off, you can you can maybe go get a job at the co-op for twelve dollars an hour. And I, you know, I had no problem kind of throwing off what what is you know, constraints as far as expectations go, and then what what's possible in the world. 
but the vast majority of, of education and advertising is kind of telling people that you can't be a vegetable farmer and make, you know, eight times an acre what, what a row crop farmer can. No, you have to do, you know, just one crop a year. It has to be corn or soybeans, and you have to take subsidies, and you have to spray this, you have to spray that, and people never question it. And, you know, holy shit, look at an enterprise budget for carrots or or garlic and look at your costs in and your costs out and your inputs. And I mean, you're making a tremendous more amount on a per acre basis with a horticultural crop versus a conventional agricultural commodity. And so the trick is that the, the federal policies and the kind of subsidy structures don't force the hand of farmers against and, and you know what, I, I, don't, I don't believe in the, the, the carrot and the stick philosophy of, oh, we have to kind of bait people with carrots or hit them with a stick. Um, and we might differ on this, but I'm very libertarian in my, my outlook on the world. And I think that the, the New Zealand agricultural system is, is a great example of complete elimination of subsidies. You know, we're not baiting people into anything. We're not policing them into anything. We're going to say, you know what, do your thing. You know, pay your own way. Make the make you know. Be aware of of tornadoes and nature, and you know, shit does happen. And you know, go go that way. Where this subsidization of, of agriculture and oh, we're so reliant on loan programs and guarantees and crop insurance to make it go of the world. You know, that didn't exist in in 1492, and we shouldn't be such a how do I put it? Such a nanny state, especially with agriculture. Um, I don't think there's a need to blame things on policy, saying, oh, there's not, there's a reason there's not enough Midwestern vegetable producers is because our agricultural policy doesn't allow them or promote them. You know, screw the policy, screw the subsidies, screw the USDA. Go rent six acres from, uh, you know, real estate development that's been sitting for five years. It's not going to get built. Pay a dollar an acre for your six acres and gross $40,000 an acre, you know, and growing carrots with your buddies. You know, I, I'm so against the, the, you know, depending on policy and depending on USDA. Don't agree with it. I'm not so. saying depend on policy. I'm saying be aware that the policy framework creates structural obstacles and makes you less competitive than you would be by supporting and perpetuating <laughs> corn. Okay, I can agree <laughs> with you there. <laughs> The barriers of entry are certainly influenced by policy, but, you know, you, they can't let that be a barrier to your, your, your mind entry, right? That can't be a, a limitation of your beliefs or, or what you're going to pursue. Totally. Well, and there's the whole wise thing about, you know, it's good to know the difference between those things you can change and those things you can't change. Right. And you often can change the management of a particular piece of soil, and that's why so many of us choose agriculture. It is still a big land with full of opportunity. America is vast, and probably you can make decisions about a certain amount of it directly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Okay, before I start writing a manifesto on air, any last resources or tagged uh, thoughts, books, Upcoming events. Yeah. Um, so items. one of the coolest people that I know of in worldwide agriculture right now is Sepp Holzer, S-E-P-P-H-O-L-Z-E-R. The first thing you should do is YouTube him. 
and watch a couple of videos. And if that interests you, you should get his book, Seth Holzer's Permaculture. And um, by the way, he's in Switzerland. Austria. Oh, he's Swiss, but he lives in Austria. Yeah, he probably gets to Switzerland, too. He gets around. Oh. Um, Okay, he's a permaculture guru in the Alps, doing stuff that nobody thought was possible. Yep, very cool. Um, I just posted my seed garlic for sale at heirloomlove.com. If you want to buy some odd-variety hardneck heirloom garlic from me, um, you can go there. Um, other cool events coming up. I think I'm going to go to, to NOFA, New York, or to Amherst, Amherst, Massachusetts, the NOFA Summer Conference next weekend, just because I'm fancy-free and, you know, kind of open up my perspective on the world. So I might head out there. So if you run into me, say hello. Um, you'll, recognize, you'll recognize Grant. He's the handsomest Iowan in the room. Yeah, probably the only Iowan, but... Yep. <laughs> You'll probably be the only Iowan. Well, you know, we're not that far away from Amherst, so come stop through here or make us part of your trip. Yeah, the Hudson scene, that would be cool to see. It'd be cool to see. Hudson Valley is going strong. Greenhorns is not going to have our... We have this awesome office right on the main street of Hudson. And unfortunately, the building has been bought. We had such a good taste in real estate, that, but we didn't buy the building because we couldn't, but... Uh, so now it's becoming a real estate office. <laughs> oh, burn. So where, where is the new office going to be? Have you found a new one? Um, well, we're in negotiation with various parties. We're, we're trying to find a, a secure deal where we know that we can be there for more than a year and hopefully that we're near other cool community. So I have community. a school bus, Severin, that's pretty cool that could be you know, reasonably outfitted to a mobile office. Just saying, Whoa, maybe you want to drive it over here? That's exciting. You want to drive it over here? Oh, that'd be a drive. Maybe we find you a local school bus. Maybe we'll uh, find yeah, a local school bus. School bus office. I like that idea. You guys could show up to conferences and be like, oh, yeah, we brought our whole office. Whoa. Whoa, you're blowing my mind. I need to go think <laughs> about it. Okay, this has been another episode of Greenhorns Radio. This is Grant Schultz, and my name is Severin. I'm your host for this and 119 other episodes about young farmers. So if you're dreaming about farming and you know what place you might link, link, link up with, uh, with your fingers, just search for that state and you can find the people in your state who are talking about things. Not usually, not usually that well, but mostly, uh, earnestly. So also please do check out the Greenhorns website. It's updated and new. And we have a bunch of events coming up in uh, September, kind of a scary amount uh, of stuff. The Seed Camp is coming up in August. Farm Hack Ithaca, Farm Hack Brooklyn, Farm Hack Detroit, yada, yada, yada. And Talk create a Farm Hack event in your, in, your, in your area. You could create nothing, a Farm Hack event in your area, just like Grant did. Yeah, uh, so nothing, be, you don't have to wait for one to come to you. Be in touch. Hey, um, hey, Grant, will you? Can we talk after this on uh, off the air, like in the evening or something? And we I make a plan around. Uh, well, anyway, we'll talk about it. Call me. Okay, go ahead. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Hey, all. Yeah. Come on. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.